Leafs fam, hockey world, what's going on? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast. I'm Norman James. We are back in business after some time away, about a week or so. Mike Augello's ready to go. We're not really stuck for ideas, but we're going to continue to labor on the Leafs defense. Is all of the criticism directed its way overblown? Mike and I will talk about it. Plus, the man at the center of the Leafs defense corps, number 51. He's a lightning rod of controversy because if you want to be a superstar and you want to be taken seriously, you want to be loved, you're also going to be criticized. Jake Gardner, front and center in the conversation as per. Mike's ready to go. I'm ready to go. I know you're ready to go. Let's pot. The Leafs combo starts right now. And here he is, the man, the myth, the magic, sometimes tragic, but always wonderful, our good friend, Mike uh, Jello. Hello, sir. Good morning, Norman. Um, how are you? Not not too bad. Long time no talk, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, this is the slow part of the of the year. I mean, unfor- you know, like it, it just seems like everybody on the radio and, you know, hockey writers, this is the month that they choose to go on vacation, and uh, I'm doing the same, although briefly going to going to see a Yankee game in New York against the Blue Jays on the weekend. So, uh, but you know, hopefully, and, and I think most people are looking forward to the hockey news ramping up and training camp uh, starting in less than a month. There's nothing wrong with taking a breather. We're going to a Blue Jays game August 26th. It's the Phillies Jays. My kids, uh, eight and six, uh, are going to be taking in their first Blue Jay game. And uh, I just can't wait for to see their faces when they walk into the stadium and I know they're going to want to talk to some of the players, and who knows, security may have an issue with that because my daughter gets quite talkative. Uh, clearly, this podcast is all about talk uh, in relation to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and as you stated, there doesn't seem like there's a heck of a lot going on. However, in the minds of fans and followers of this podcast, subscribers, um, there are a lot of things to address, a lot of things to get to. Uh, I put it out on, on Twitter a couple of days ago uh, asking um, our supporters if they had anything that they wanted to hear us discuss, and we got quite a bit of feedback, and we appreciate that very much. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, thank you. Go ahead and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choosing, and uh, more importantly, get over to YouTube. The uh, Leafs Combo YouTube channel is always burning up. Subscribers uh, added every single day, and we'd like you to be one of those subscribers. Mike, we've spoken about the Leafs' defensive situation over and over again uh, on this podcast and how we believe that it's uh, a couple of assets short of being a championship-caliber defensive core. Uh, One of the questions um, that we got or one of the topics that uh, a few of our uh, subscribers and listeners and supporters wanted us to address is the idea that this narrative of the well, – it's the reality of this defensive unit uh, not being up to snuff, possibly being overblown. This defensive core, maybe the jury's still out and we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions that it's um, going to be more inept than adept. I, I personally don't think it's overblown. In fact, I think it's under, a bit understated and I'm one of the few people who has continued to – chime away at the fact that I don't think I think that they're the 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 state of their defense is you know probably the only thing that will hold this team back from advancing in the playoffs I mean the offensively they'll be fine but defensively as we saw in game seven and as we saw at times throughout the year 
uh, last year, and there hasn't been a great change in that in that blue line at all. I mean, uh, Ozaganov may make the Leafs, but he he probably won't. And if that's the case, then you have the same probably the same starting six with maybe uh, Justin Hall or Callie Rosen or Andreas Borgman mixed in with Connor Carrick. So it's the same defensive core that gave up I think 232 goals last year, and you had a a goaltender in Freddie Anderson who for most of the season was was a, a realistic Vesna a trophy candidate. So you're asking him to stand on his head and you're asking him to, you know, say, you know, save this team in the playoffs if their defense stays the same. So I, I think that, you know, I, I know that I had to write a column for sporting news uh, this week, grading the Leafs off season. And I said that the two areas that they needed to address and upgrade were up the middle and on defense mm-hmm. and up the middle, they hit a home run with Tavares and on defense, they did nothing. And partially because there wasn't a lot in free agency this year uh, to, to really go after. There was a few, a few players, but not, not a ton um, that may be addressed during the season. But if they keep this group uh, barring yeah. somebody, you know, like Travis Dermott becoming a top two defenseman, which you know you never know that's possible. I think their defense is not good enough to advance for far in the playoffs. Is that just something that we're going to have to eat, digest, and live with? I think, well, see, this is the thing. I, I think what the approach of the Leafs is, and this is, it's a sound approach by Kyle Dubas. He wasn't going to overextend himself and trade players that he didn't want to trade for a patchwork fix on defense. So what I think they're going to do is like they did last year, they rotated Borgman, Rosen, Polak, Carrick, um, and and did basically extended their training camp pr- pr- basically to the halfway point of the season to see what they had in house before they you know, decided whether they they could address uh, defense externally. I think they'll do the same thing. And the difference is this year, right now, they have f- almost fourteen million dollars in cap space. So they have the young assets, they have the draft picks, and they have the cap room. So if there is a Justin Falk or a Chris Tanev or somebody of that nature out there in free agency or out there as a pending free agent or somebody becomes available, they have the you know the ability to go out and, and imp- improve the blue line. But I think first, since they didn't want to extend themselves, they will explore their options internally and see what they have on hand. This is the Leafs Combo, Norman James, along with Mike Augello. Thanks for listening, folks. So, in other words, we should subtly remind those who have issue with this defensive setup to grin and bear it for the foreseeable future because in all likelihood, any uh, positive alteration to the defense will be made at the deadline as opposed to you know some rando deal happening uh, well before then, Mike, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything shaking loose. I mean, I, I don't exclude the possibility of the team adding a veteran player uh, like a Kevin Bieksa or somebody of that nature as a as a on a PTO yeah. uh, as a depth move. But in terms of an impact move of a defenseman who can play in the top four, I don't see that move happening uh, until maybe American Thanksgiving and then all the way leading up to the trade deadline. So, I, I like I said, I think they're going to look internally and see what they have and then evaluate from that point on. As if Jake Gardner needs more pressure thrust upon his shoulders. <laughs> but, again, it's, it's true. I mean, um, he, 
it, it, people believe that he's the star of the show back there. Analytically, they'll make that case, and they have a strong case because it's it's ironclad, right? It's it the numbers don't lie. So based on his track record, this is where he is. What is he going to do to advance his game, and and uh, you know pick up some of the players around him by the bootstraps and make them better? Because that's what star all stars do. That's what stars do, right? Or are we in an era now where fans just want to blame everybody else but the player they support the most, right? Jake Gardner, you're the star, so make everybody else better. That's essentially that's what you're going to have to do. Well, I mean, sometimes players will step up in the last year of their contracts to put up a big number to you know to get paid, and that's human nature. And I expect that out of Jake Gardner. He's going into his walk year in free agency. Now you have Tavares added with Matthews and Neander and Marner, and this you know the team is going to be a dynamo offensively, and I think he's going to be a, the beneficiary and, and contribute to that. You know he had fifty points, la- fifty two points last year. He had over forty the year before. If he puts up another fifty points, he's going to hit it big in free agency. I just don't think, and I don't see a way. Mike, can I add something here? Yeah, the the Leafs don't need Jake Gardner to score. They need Jake Gardner to be more defensively sound, and that's just not his game. So uh, are we just um, just going to have to buckle up and expect more of the same from this guy? Or in his contract year, will he, will he and the coaching staff, DJ Smith, Mike Babcock, a collective, mm-hmm. try to evolve his game to another level and no. to, add, to broaden his game? I don't think he's capable of doing that. He's, you know, again, he's 28 years old. He will be 29 years old when he becomes a free agent. At that point in a career... Yeah, you're not going to be a different player. So, I mean, and I'm not, not saying what he does is not good because for teams looking for an offensive puck rushing defenseman, Jake Gardner is your man. It's just right now, I think the Leafs have, you know, I think Dermott is going to be that type of NHL defenseman. We know Morgan Riley is. They really have those yeah. types of defensemen in uh, in in a in abundance, but. They need somebody who can be physical. They need somebody who can be defensively sound. And that's not Gardner's game. His defense is his ability to go the other way and counterattack or rush the puck up, up the ice. And that's and, and but his penchant for giveaways at the worst possible time is gonna is has killed this team in the past and could kill them again. We love Jake Gardner, right? Or you hate him because I don't hate no that no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. hate him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. But you know, you know how it is. People I send out a tweet, and the tweet is clearly stated, and people will respond to it with what they think I'm saying as opposed to what I actually said. Right. So um, that's that's in a tweet. I mean, that's a, that's something that's written there, and then can can be interpreted in different ways. But if you read it within its context, you should understand it. You you it it gets even harder to um, to convey or connect with the message you're trying to emit uh when, when it's spoken word when it's in a podcast um we we had an issue a couple of uh podcasts ago where somebody thought i was using a derogatory term and just heard it and threw it out there and without context without understanding just uh, accused me of being a uh insensitive asshole and, and um um castigating an entire group a uh, group of people and Nothing could have been further from the truth, yet that just runs runs wild. And um, it's just it gets out of control. And by the time you you attempt to uh, cr- just kind of clarify, 
the damage has been done. And, um, and in this case, the, the idea out there is that you hate Jake Gardner or we hate Jake Gardner. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't associate being giving critical analysis of a player with hating or or, or liking. It's I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I you know, like I, I have been a fan. I always will be a fan. But in my in my um, responsibilities as a reporter, I have to sort of put my uh, emotions aside and look at things more, for lack of a better term, analytically. And, uh, you know, I look at Gardner and I mean, he's a, he's a plus offensive player. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who's going to score, you know, he's a, a guy who's going to rush the puck. He's going to be a point man of the power play. He's integral to the offense of, of, of the Maple Leafs, but defensively he's a minus defender. And the only time he's been somebody who I would say is average or above average defensively is when Mike Babcock two years ago protected him and kept him away from top lines. If he's exposed, mm -hmm. if he plays against Marchand and Bergeron, more than likely he's going to get walked around. And that's unfortunate, but that's, that's the reality. But, and as I mentioned to you before we started the story, started recording the, and I wrote about this on hockey buzz yesterday, the contract that Ryan Ellis signed in Nashville yesterday is not good news for the Leafs in terms of if they want to re-sign Gardner because Ellis is a year, a little under a year younger than Gardner. His offensive totals were uh, not comparable. He had 30-something points two years ago and then um, averaged out it would have been over 50 if he had played a full season last year coming back from an injury. And he got $6.25 million on an eight-year deal. That means Gardner's probably getting six and a half to seven million dollars. And if they're signing Matthews and they're signing Marner and they're signing Neilander all long term, I don't see how they can afford Jake Gardner. So that means this is Jake Gardner's last year, whether he's traded or whether he just walks away. Remember the hook, Mike? Uh, AM nine eighty. That's how you and I got started. Uh, yes. You came. You came on a couple times, and then it turned into a essentially in a weekly event. But one of the all time hook appearance leaders. Is Ryan Ellis? I think he was on five times over the um, let's see, one, two, three year run of the show. Nazem Kadri was the all time leader, eight eight appearances on the show, and you could look at that in two ways. Great, you got have these NHLers on uh, it, it, with with great frequency, or you know the other perspective is why the heck couldn't you get any other guests besides Mike Jello, Ryan Ellis, and Nazem Kadri? <laughs> Uh, those were some fun days. Ryan Ellis with the Windsor Spitfires winning a couple of uh, Memorial Cups. Man, that was one of he was one of my favorite OHLers of all time. Uh, just just heart and soul back there. He grew quite the beard as well, and uh, he got paid. And um, that's an indication of Jake Gardner getting paid, which leads to the quiet hope that the Leafs can figure out a way to parlay J Jake Gardner into something before he ends up walking away in free agency. Uh, not because the Leafs don't want him, it's just because. Um, they can't afford them. Perhaps address everyone wanting to trade Willie and how dumb that idea is. Is the, like from what's the context here, Jason? How dumb? Meaning we love Willie. We love his memes. We love his hair. We love. We I mean, we love. He's he's a heartthrob. Um, or is it because he's just he's an essential piece of this team going forward and and reaching the the ultimate goal of a Stanley Cup championship? So mm -hmm. is it? The, the everyone wanting to trade Willie. How dumb is that idea, Mike? Well, first of all, it's inaccurate. I mean, not not everyone, everybody wants to trade Willie. I know that, you know, there's been some criticism on social media that you have one of the major uh, uh, rights holders 
Uh, there, there are commentators saying we, you know, the Leafs now need to trade Nealander now that they've signed Tavares or they can't afford all these guys. And they're, they're, you know, their insiders will come out and say, you know, you know that Nealander could be moved and this and that. And then one, the other, the other, other side not saying anything close to that. So I mean, I, I think that the the appearance of and and the opinion of the Leafs needing or possibly wanting to trade Nealander is all based on the big three and which one of the big three is the least valuable or the most um, disposable in terms of uh, improving another area or uh, being able to afford the other two. And when you put up Nealander next to Marner and Matthews, I mean, Nealander is third. And that, that doesn't mean he's not a great player because I think he is, but that's what people see. And, uh, and again, um, the Dylan Larkin contract that was signed by Detroit uh, last week, uh, again, using comparables, uh, Dylan Larkin's coming off his ELC um, had one year comparable to Neilander, another year where he didn't play very well. Um, he's a center, Neilander's a winger, but point totals and things of that nature. And he got six point one million on a five-year deal, and that's a deal that only one year of unrestricted free agency is bought. And if if Neilander's agent Lewis Gross uses that as a comparable, which I'm sure they always do, you know he's going to be asking for and the high sixes, you know, probably closer to what Pasternak got on a on a six year deal from the Bruins. And again, I don't know whether the Leafs want to spend that kind of money on William Nylander, and that's why I keep saying, you know, maybe the bridge deal is the way that eventually it's going to go. And I, I know somebody snapped back at me uh, after there was a report saying you know, that the the Leafs want to get Nylander signed long term, and said, you know, so much for the bridge deal. I'm like. Of course, they want to get him signed long term. It's depending on what he wants, and if he wants seven, seven and a half million dollars, oh, he can God. want a long term deal as much as he wants. He's not going to get one. I love the prospect of Kyle Dubas having to get tough with these players and making this fan base that loves to pit youth versus experience eat itself over their favorite personalities among the Leafs going head to head. What's going to happen when Kyle Dubas, that poster child for um, excellence in, in, in young people um, having to tell Willie and his web representatives, it's just not going to happen or trading Jake Gardner. I'm really, well, I'm excited to see that because we're going to see a, the growth in the fan base. That's much needed the same way we've seen growth in this team. I think he's already done that in, in a sense because, like when when I was part of a media scrum and Neilander was making comments about, and I asked him a question about how the contract situation was going. This was at Smash Fest a couple of weeks ago. You know, he said basically, "Well, things are going slow, and you know, you should talk to Kyle because Kyle wants to." Kyle is expressing patience, and patience means you are going to have to take the number a number closer to what yeah, I want yeah. to pay you rather than what you're asking for. And if it gets to training camp, at the beginning of training camp, and there's still a wide gulf of, say, a million dollars between what the Leafs will offer and what Nealander offers, I think there's not going to be a holdout. It's, they, they push the, the problem down the road if they, if they sign him to a bridge deal. And unless Nealander is going to take a little bit of a haircut, which John Tavares did as an unrestricted free agent uh, to, to come to Toronto – Mike, did you say Nylander having to take a haircut? Can you imagine well, him actually getting a haircut? 
a financial blow, haircut. Would, it, no, yeah. but uh, literally a haircut, it would blow Twitter up. <laughs> you, you, yeah, he, he cannot chop off those those golden locks. Yeah, those ABBA BG type locks. Not a not a chance. Anyway, continue. Side the jump. Yes. But but yes, I mean essentially. I mean, there may be some wiggle room in terms of the length of the deal and in terms of the AAV, but not, I don't think there's a great, a great uh, amount of wiggle room. So I, I think if he gets that six- or seven-year deal, it's going to be to a number closer to what the Leafs want to pay. And if it's more than that, then I think they'll, they'll fall back and push the decision down the road a couple of years by doing a bridge deal. Oh, the salary talk is just so boring. I know it's essential, but like people get so jacked up over who's going to make what and what they should, how, you know, how it compares. I mean, that's this is the new generation, Mike. Um, since the salary cap in 2005, how many new fans have come into the game, and this is all they've known. Uh, and I'm dating myself here, but heck, why not? Um, prior to this, money was just money, and people were getting paid ridiculous amounts for for productivity that just wasn't there, and others were not getting paid um, in, a, in a justified way based on uh, what they were doing on the ice. So clearly this is the better system, yet it's just so tedious and laborious and boring going on about it over and over again. And for me, I, I, I want to make sure that everybody gets paid the way they need to get paid, but I, I don't really have control over that. And that comes down to what management thinks is best. And at the end of the day, this isn't to make William Nylander happy. This, this, we're not here just to make William Nylander happy. We're not here just to, to tell Jake Gardner how great he is. We are here. We are here as fans to support a team that we expect to win a Stanley Cup. That is what it's all about for me. And the management has to do what it has to do to make that happen. Honestly, I don't care if William Nylander's on this team if it means – the Leafs win a Stanley Cup without him. I don't care. If he is on the team and Jake Gardner's a part of it, fantastic. And you can tell me, you told me so, that these guys were going to be contributors to the, to the ultimate prize coming to Toronto, and I just wouldn't care because the Stanley Cup has finally returned to Toronto after uh, half a century. Mike, we got to get going here. Wrap it up with something nice. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, in, in, in a league like Major League Baseball where there's a luxury tax and no salary cap, you're allowed to you know, have a little bit more latitude. And back in the day before the salary cap, you could pay Bobby Holik $9 million to play for the New York Rangers. It's just the reality, and it may be boring, but the reality of the game is you have to fit players under a cap, and that's going to be the main task of Brandon Pridham and Lawrence Gilman and Kyle Dubas over the next couple of years is to sign Marner, sign Matthews, fit Tavares and Nylander and whoever else into that, you know, cap that's going to be right now 79 and probably in the 80, 80 to $81 million range in the next year or so. And that's the reality. It's never, it's never going away. Do you think if Bobby Holik played for the New York Islanders, Lou Lamorella would have made him shave his unibrow? Uh, no, if he had a mustache, yes, he would. But the, the unibrow, I think he would leave alone. Mike, we got to go, man. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Norman.
That's a wrap for this edition of the Leafs Convo Podcast. I want to thank you so much for your support and your listenership. Nearly 1,300 subs on YouTube now, and we're growing every single time Mike and I collab for a podcast. We have many, many more to come as the hockey season ramps up. We're going to be all over every little bit of news as it happens. You just wait and see and enjoy. Thank you once again. For Mike Augello, I'm Norman James. We'll talk to you soon. The Leafs Convo is out.